No, I mean, we don't, you know, we, we look at ourselves um, and the quality of our play or the lack thereof, and it wasn't there today. Was it part of the pregame defensive strategy for you guys to have a spy on, on uh, Kyler Murray? Uh, at different points. Um, not Not down in and down out, no. You know, maybe I feel like we came out and took a little lightly as we should than we should have. Um, yeah, we just can't do that. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think? Why well, I think it took it lighter than you should have? Maybe their record played a part in it. <sighs> what a disaster! What an abomination Sunday was. Me and about sixty thousand of my friends. We're all there in attendance to be able to watch it. 66,000, the official attendance at Hines slash Akersher on Sunday for what can be described as one of the worst losses of the Mike Tomlin era. If not potentially, at least in the regular season, the worst. I'm Austin Bechtold with you. It's the Fan Only Morning Show, Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. I want to hear your thoughts. 412 928 9370. Yes, the Steelers took Arizona lightly. Mike Tomlin is never going to admit otherwise. The players, and according to Tomlin, they were just answering questions the way that they were phrased. And that's the reason why. But what also struck me about Tomlin and what he said in his overall remarks and the problems that this team has continued to have do you find it interesting? Do you find it notable that when Mike Tomlin was asked by Mark Caballi about Deontay Johnson celebrating, about four minutes left, game out of hand, down two scores, and Deontay Johnson is celebrating, he says he's unfamiliar with what he's talking about. Okay. And he throws it back at Caballi. And basically asked, you know, do you have an opinion on it? And what, what came next was fascinating enough because he said he was unfamiliar with what Cavalli was talking about. And then was asked, and it was a follow-up after Mark said he didn't have an opinion on it. Does Tomlin have an opinion on it? He said, not that I'd share with you guys. So Mike Tomlin does know about it. Interesting. This is a team that is still the number five seed in the AFC. The college football playoff committee has officially eliminated the Jacksonville Jaguars from playoff contention. Trevor Lawrence has an ankle injury. How long he's going to be out? Nobody really knows yet. Cincinnati downs Jacksonville in overtime 34-31. to The Bengals back at 500. Worst in the AFC North, but a 500 record. The entirety of the AFC North is 500 or better. Jacksonville, with a victory, could have cemented itself as the number one seed, at least for the foreseeable week, and loses a game to Cincinnati at home in prime time. Jacksonville on a Monday night, still with many woes in prime time. So... My thoughts on Tomlin. It's difficult. Rich Eisen of the NFL Network 
thinks that this is going to be where the best of Mike Tomlin comes out. I don't know about that. I just can't buy into that anymore. I can't believe it. Why? The Steelers are in the middle. They're mediocrity. You might as well put them as the definition of it. You go into the dictionary. Go to Webster's Dictionary. Whatever. And you look up average, mediocrity, in NFL terms. You find the Pittsburgh Steelers of the last five plus years. Why? Let's go back to 2018. A 9 6 and 1 record. 2019, they went 8 and 8. Now remember, Doc Hodges, Mason Rudolph. There were a lot of reasons why. Mike, Mike Tomlin deserves a little bit of a pat on the back for that. The 2020 team that started out 11 and 0 and ended 12 and 4. We all knew they weren't as good as their record indicated. We all knew it. And for a long portion of the season, we knew that this year. Steelers 7-4. and four. Even before that, before the loss of the Browns, going into the game against the Browns. Good record. We know they're not a team that should be number one wild card in the conference, in the AFC, for comparison. And maybe it's just because of the division that they play in. Dallas is the number one wild card in the NFC. Dallas would throttle the Steelers if they played today. 2021, 9-7-1 record. The swan song, goodbye Ben Roethlisberger. Last year, 9-8. and eight. And last year was a typical Tom 1 coaching performance to be able to get to 9-8. and eight. So, is it the players? Is it Tomlin? Is it all the above? Change is hard. Change is very hard. It can be more difficult for one person compared to another. But it's inevitable. It's like a breakup, right? Don't you think things have gotten stale at this point with Mike Tomlin? Things are in a point in time where it's not really moving. You're just kind of holding on. There's some good things. You get back to 500 after really struggling, 2-6. and six. You feel good. You have some of those good moments. You beat Cincinnati. The offense puts up 400 yards. Everything looks good. It's like a toxic relationship. And I'm not saying that that's entirely what Mike Tomlin and the Steelers is. But at the same time, Look at the cycle. The team plays poorly. The national media looks to Mike Tomlin and basically says, all right, Tomlin, pick him up. The schedule the schedule lightens up a little bit. Steelers win some football games, and they do it in some unorthodox ways, and maybe they'll pull a couple games out that nobody expects them to. And Mike Tomlin gets praised as potentially the coach of the year, like he has this year by various national outlets, locally, seen in a much different light. It's like a girlfriend that you've been with on and off again, somebody you've been seeing for a while, your good times that you just try to hold on to. You hold on to the never having a losing record and always being in it 
discussion. Mike Tomlin winning a Super Bowl. Mike Tomlin now, okay, your time. Kenny Pickett, no longer Ben Roethlisberger. This is your guy. Kenny's a guy you've drafted. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. You want to hold on, have those good things happen, but then the bad happen again and the cycle continues. Sometimes it's just time. Have we reached that point in time with Mike Tomlin? 412-928-9370. Saw a great tweet out there about Mike Tomlin. Super Bowl forty was his last Super Bowl victory. The longest gap between coaches' first and second Super Bowl win. I thought this was fascinating. Tom Landry was six seasons. Joe Gibbs was five seasons. Tom Coughlin, four. Bill Parcells, four. Bill Walsh, three. Belichick, two. Andy Reid in Kansas City, three. Lombardi won some back-to-back. Chuck Knoll, back-to-back. Don Shula, back-to-back. Jimmy Johnson, Mike Shanahan. Joe Gibbs' third win came four years after his second. Bill Walsh's third win came four years after his second. Chuck Knoll's third, three years later, four, again, back-to-back. Belichick's gaps were actually 2-1-10-2-2. So Belichick went a decade between Super Bowls from 04 to 14. It's the only time a coach has gone more than six seasons between Super Bowl wins. And it could happen this year with Jim Harbaugh. With John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh might be in the NFL again too. Very soon. Have we ran... Has Mike Tomlin ran its time in Pittsburgh? Has he reached the point where things are maybe not exactly at hand, but where they're at a point of no return? Because the Steelers are in the midst of what I like to refer to as NFL purgatory. They're a 500 team. They're average. They have good players defensively. TJ Watts, a great player, defensive player of the year type candidate, might lead the NFL in sacks. Micah Fitzpatrick's one of the best safeties in the NFL. Joey Porter Jr. is blossoming into one of the best corners in the NFL. Kim Hayward is a Hall of Fame borderline type of player and an all-pro. You're paying Alex Heisman $17 million to rush the passer. He's also somebody that if you put on one of the other 31 other NFL teams is probably the number one pass rusher on half of them. But yet your offense has question marks. Kenny Pickett is probably not the guy. Najee Harris, first round draft pick, can't just run downhill with consistency and find the hole compared to what undrafted Jalen Warren does. And Warren has more speed. Something nobody really expected to see comparing the two backs. Sam Allo's been fine. He's now hurt. Dan Moore at left tackle has left a lot to be desired. Mason Cole? Do we really want to go there? Broderick Jones has helped to stabilize the offensive line. And he's the reason why the running game compared to maybe splitting it more with Najee and Warren, has been so much more effective over the last couple of weeks. I was there on Sunday. I think there's a couple cardinal sins as a Steeler fan. One of them 
at least if you're an opponent disrespecting the terrible towel. We've seen it time and time again. Jacksonville actually disrespected the terrible towel when they came to Pittsburgh. We've seen it from TJ Husmanzada. Baltimore's done some things. Cleveland disrespecting the terrible towel. But also, at least for me, leaving the Steeler game early is something that is just something that never happens. It doesn't. At least for me, I don't leave sporting events early. Pirates, Penguins, Steelers, Pitt, whatever. Penn State, other college sports. I don't leave early. I stay for the entirety of the game. In the second weather delay, I looked around. I looked at my buddy that I was with. And we stood around for about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, wondering when this game will continually get back in action. And will there be another break? Just kind of decided to ourselves, as we watch the lines and lines of people roll out, do we want to stick around and watch this? Because do we really think they're going to win? Looked at each other. Looked around. No. We don't think they're going to win. And that was all the answers that I needed to know the end of the day. Let's go to the phones. What's up? You're on the fam. Good morning. I didn't know you were going to take my call, but you're on the air. I just wanted to say I did quality control for many years. And when there's a process, you say you're making a widget and the, you're, you're looking for a dimension of two inches. You have an upper control, control limit of, like, say, 1.003. The Steelers, if you looked at their, the way they performed, they're out of control. Their process is out of control. One game they have 400 yards. Another game they have hardly any. You know, they, they don't score any points. It's, it's, they have no process. They have no stability. They're they're they have they're out of control. Yeah, and yeah, that's tough. what I see with them. They're just they're just like a ship without a rudder. There's no way they're they're heading for any kind of goals. And I appreciate the show. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Thank you. And for me, the best way to try to describe it: What's your favorite ride at Kennywood? What roller coaster do you like? Have you ever been to Cedar Point? That would also probably be a good indication of this take this point. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a roller coaster ride that the at the end typically has a nice little landing after bumps and bumps and bumps and bumps along the way. And a lot of the times you can come off the ride, let's say you're afraid of heights or you don't like spinning upside down or the pace of the roller coaster, whatever it may be. You know the the steel curtain at Kennywood, the roller coaster. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers. You'll go upside down. You'll go very fast. And then once you embark off the ride, you'll say, huh, well, that was something. I think we're going to jump on it again. And that's kind of what the Steelers are like with Mike Tomlin. There's ups and downs. Good and bad. I'm not saying that the roller coaster's bad. 
Not Kenny Wood. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there's just these peaks and valleys with the Steelers. Has Mike Tomlin just kind of lost his way? Is the voice stale? Is it time for a breakup? Is this Andy Reid in Philadelphia? Where, yes, tons of success. Had a quarterback. Things went well. Didn't win a Super Bowl. Made it to one. Didn't win it. Tom one did. Hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 2010. He lost. Green Bay. And if you want to have this whole Cowers players notion, even though Tomlin was the one coaching the team, that was more so Tomlin guys. A couple more years into it, in the Green Bay loss. You can blame Rashard Mendenhall. You can blame whoever you want. Maybe just the Packers being good. Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's a difficult point for the Steelers to be. They are in NFL purgatory because they are not good enough to be up there with Kansas City. And yes, I know if the Steelers would have won against Arizona, a 2-10 team, then they would be tied with Kansas City and Jacksonville. It was just an embarrassment. It was the worst Steeler game I've ever attended. I left early. Something I never do. Something that is in all realm of the imagination in my mind against what it means to be a fan. For me, that's just something that you don't do. It's not in my DNA to leave early. That was a great call. They they don't have structure. It's a week-by-week basis with this team. The peaks and valleys. I mean, just think about it. If you want to go over the entirety of the Steelers' schedule from the very start of the season, look, I thought they'd win 11 games. I thought they'd be 11-6. and six. Now, Kenny Pickett's injury complicates things because firing Matt Canada, you were supposed to give the rest of this ride, the rest of these seven or whatever games it's going to be because the Steelers will probably sneak into the playoffs. Now, who knows? It's a Kenny Pickett. Take off the reins. Unbuckle the leash. Let him ride. And we saw that on the first drive against Arizona. But after that, where was it? 7 to 10, 70 yards for Pickett. It looked good at first. I'm not blaming Kenny Pickett for the Arizona loss. A lot of people are kind of trying to say, oh, well, we should also jump off Pickett for this point. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that because Kenny Pickett can't stay healthy. He's very injury prone. It's unfortunate. But that's just kind of the reality. Last year, the concussions, the ankle. I mean, and I'm also concerned about Kenny Pickett because he doesn't step up in the pocket. Where is he going half the time? When he is flushed out, he escapes. He'll spin to the left or he'll roll out to his left. He loves rolling to his left instead of rolling to the right. Where his dominant hand is. Throwing across his body out to the left. I just don't understand why he doesn't step up in the pocket. Is that a Matt Canada thing? 
where he wasn't taught properly? I don't know. But the expectations for the Steelers, I remember it. You remember it? Week one, San Francisco. They got their doors blown off. Five for five in the preseason. Things look great. Things look promising. And then a loss to San Francisco that made you question everything. Oh, and then wins against the Browns and Raiders. Two teams that are, eh. Cleveland, eh. Deshaun Watson, eh. And then the Raiders are the Raiders. They fired their coach midseason. Not the first time they've done that in the last five plus years. And then you go to Houston. A game everybody marked down as a win on the calendar. And you get your doors blown off 30-6. to six. You got shellacked. Now, Houston is in line to potentially make the playoffs this year. C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback to come out of college, to come out of Ohio State probably ever. He looks awesome. And then you come back and you beat the Ravens. <laughs> you come back and you beat Baltimore, the number one team in the AFC. Them in Miami. Right now, record-wise. Then you're by. You beat the Rams. I was there for that. Another game that back and forth, ups and downs. Steelers win it, though, 24-17 because of the fourth quarter. And that's where all these wins were coming from. Fourth quarter, Kenny Pickett, he was looking solid. There was hope in the fourth because he was so bad in the first three quarters. But in the fourth, he became one of the best quarterbacks in football, and he was looking like Patrick Mahomes. That's what the stats said. Then you lose to Jacksonville. Okay, Jags are a good team. You beat Tennessee with the guy, Will Levis, that outplayed Kenny Pickett. It was just making his second ever, playing in his second ever game, first ever start. You beat Green Bay. Green Bay's going on a murderer's row run the last couple of weeks. They'll be in the playoffs. Then you lose to the Browns. And that's where the season changed. That's where the season really did change. Because the Steelers did show an ability to change, an ability to move off of a piece in Mac Canada. They got rid of him. The win against the Bengals wasn't pretty. 400 yards, though, 16 points. Eh. 24 to 10 against the Cardinals. And my fear is that we haven't hit rock bottom in this season. They're 7-5. and five. Is there a rock bottom? New England has hit a rock bottom. Belichick and the Patriots have no quarterback. Mac Jones, Blake Cunningham, Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi will get the start. First of seven wins. It's going to be an ugly football game. Really ugly. Not going to be a fun football game, and it might set it back offense in the NFL. Uh, maybe 50 years. Maybe 60 years. Probably 60 years. Or more. The Wake Up Show. It's presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84lumber.com. Fan weather. It's brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Happy holidays from Sean Chevy. SunChevy.com. For all the latest deals and details. The weather today. Currently, 34 degrees. High will get up to 39. No rain expected throughout the week. Thursday, weather forecast for the Steelers. Partly cloudy skies, 43 degrees. Up next, we'll look at some of the injuries in the NFL. Maybe talk some college football as well. Was Florida State robbed? Eh, maybe. Talk about it. Up next, Austin Bechtel with you. It's 93.7 The Fan and The Fan, early morning show.
All right, the show goes on. What a perfect song to segue into NFL injuries. Because, yes, the show has to go on, as poor Florida State learned. We'll get to that in just a minute. Trevor Lawrence, ankle injury. You could tell last night he knew it right away. Now, how long will he be out? We don't know, but it was a battle of what ended up being two backup quarterbacks slinging it out and going to overtime yesterday in Jacksonville. Jake Browning, who played very well, he had over 300 yards passing, 354 actually, with a 115 rating, 32 of 37. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Kenny Pickett's never done that before. 354 yards. Trevor Lawrence, 41 hurt, was 22 at 29, 258, and two scores. The NFL injuries this year is crazy. And it's sad that the Steelers, you know, have not been able to capitalize because of that and capitalize off of that. Other than, you know, record-wise, to an extent they have. But just poor performances. I mean, Cincinnati's out Joe Burrow. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, who knows how much time he's going to miss. New England's quarterback situation is a disaster. Arizona was out Kyler Murray for a good portion of the season, at least to begin. The Jets lost Aaron Rodgers. The Colts lost Anthony Richardson. The Cleveland Browns lost Sean Watson for the season. Other than that, Justin Fields has been kind of banged up. Daniel Jones is out for the year. Kirk Cousins is out for the year. It's unfortunate that this is just how the NFL is playing out this season. But somebody's going to take advantage of that. And it's unfortunate that the Steelers are in no position to be able to do so. Because the Steelers are going to be without Kenny Pickett for four, two to four weeks. It might end up being four. Probably going to end up being three. You think, right? Hearing that type of timetable. Maybe pick what's in the middle. It's sad. What also sad is the whole situation with Florida State. You know, Jordan Travis was a big part of that team, and that is why Florida State didn't get in. If Jordan Travis was playing, regardless of what happened in that ACC championship game, Florida State gets in. And there's also oh, Alabama and the bias of needing Alabama in. I still think that Georgia should have gotten in. Now, who do you take out? This would have been the perfect year for an eight-team playoff. Because Florida State did deserve to be there. They're not one of the best four teams, though. Michigan with Washington. And yet Texas, they deserve to be there. Plus you factor in another team like Alabama, Georgia. I still think Georgia shouldn't have fallen out completely, but it's it sucks for Florida State. It really does. An undefeated Power 5 conference champ. Just unfortunate. Somewhat a popularity contest. They want the SEC in as well. Should they have been left out? No. Do I understand why they were? Yes. I mean, I even tweeted out what I think it should be and what I think it will be. I nailed what it would be. But what I think it should be, I had Texas kind of on the bubble. I probably would have left Texas out, but and I want to take Georgia and Bama. Same first two. 
It's unfortunate for Florida State, but kind of victim of how the ACC played this year. And yes, the ACC did have a winning record against the SEC. Florida State had two wins against the SEC. It was a great argument to be had for Florida State. It's not in the playoffs. And that's why 12 will be better. 10 would have been better. 8 would have been better this year. Pre-show's next on the fan.